It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mannequin Chill is back following week two. We're only two weeks into the season, Shane, and we've already gotten a lot of questions about, I'm 0-2, what should I do? Should I blow it up? Should I start trading away a bunch of my players that are trending downwards? Should I hold the line? Things will turn around. We all have different situations and different teams where we're either really confident at 0-2 or 0-2. We already know that it's a wrap and it's probably time to start looking in the future. And that's what today's episode is going to be about. I have something that I've gone through the last day or so just trying to figure out, okay, I have a lot of teams. Everybody knows that. And I have to figure out which ones I really want to be aggressive on right now, which ones I can hold the line, which ones I can just set the line up, see if I need to buy a spot start, see if I have anything obvious to sell. But other than that, I'm planning on contending and nothing has really changed. But there's always a couple where I go, you know what, that's a false flag team. That's one where maybe I was hopeful and it's not working out. So we're going to talk about that today. How to identify those. So I'm going to start with your initial thoughts. We're two weeks in. It feels like half the dynasty landscape has already changed only after two weeks. How much has changed since the offseason? And now you're facing... A decent portfolio of teams that you have. You're at 30 plus teams. How do you go through right now and say, okay, I know it's time to move one way or the other, but more specifically, the teams that are one and one or 0 and two and just things haven't gone right. Where do you start trying to assess which one of those teams you're going to be aggressive, trying to get to the bottom before everybody else is already racing there? Where do you start? Or or do you go the other way and go, this 0-1 start, this 0-2 start is a fluke? I mean, just looking at one of the leagues specifically, I, I obviously um, play in, like you said, a lot of leagues, 33 leagues right now, dynasty. So going through those, I'm looking at one specifically where I have like the fourth most points for, but I also have the first points against. There's probably going to be some, what's the word I'm looking for there? Regression. I hate using that word, but there's going to be some regression there, right? If I continue to score at that clip, I can't can't continue to play high scorers every week. Like it's just, that's not how life works most of the time. You know, I'll look to add to that roster. So just something very simple at first points for points against. That's the first thing I'm looking at before I dig into each team. But I will also then go look at each team and I'll go, well, this team might be scoring a lot. But is this scoring even sustainable? Did I live off of a Marvin Mims, two receptions, 113 yards and a touchdown last week, and Jaden Reed's two touchdowns? Like, is that how I'm winning? Is it fluky? Is it stuff that can't be uh, counted on? Like, I'm, I'm scoring with guys that have low targets per route run. But I guess just getting back to the basic point of it is, yeah, I got to decide. Am I going to, am I, what am I going to do with this team? Am I going to try to add to it? Or am I going to try to bottom out? So I am going to look at points at, against, points for, et cetera. Also keep in mind how many spots in your league 
are given to the teams with the highest points, right? Most leagues do at least one. Some leagues do more than that, but most leagues do at least the six playoff spot goes to the highest score remaining that has not the best record. So those are just a couple of things that I'm looking at initially. How am I doing against the rest of the league? And how is this team scoring its points? Is it fluky? Do I have Brock Purdy? That's a bad bid. Sad Jimmy G. Jimmy G went out there and had two weeks of 40 points. That's something that's not sustainable. And I know I can't count on that to carry me. So let's assume you've already kind of identified of your teams. You have two or three where you go, okay, there's something that's off here. I didn't plan to contend and I'm contending. Or I thought I was going to contend. I've had a couple injuries. Things aren't breaking my way. So now I've identified it. And this is something that I've done. And I'll, I'll kind of just give the, the listeners, subscribers, viewers, the process that I walk through very basically. So I'll go through, obviously, I'm looking at the records of all my teams, assuming most of your leagues are head-to-head of some sort of component where you're playing either against the median and a head-to-head opponent or you're playing all play. There's some level of you have to score weekly to earn credit towards wins or victory points, something week to week. It's not just who scored the most points for the season and it doesn't even matter what happens week to week. So assuming there's some sort of weekly component, you're obviously looking at your record, but even at one and one, and I have a lot of teams that are one and one. So like where do the one and one teams stack up against each other? So you have to look a little bit deeper than that. So obviously you can look at your points for and your points against, but I like to actually look at, I will call it a trinity, but it's really more of like four things at one time. So obviously you're looking at your all play record, which it's very easy on MFL to look at your all play record. If you play in a true head-to-head league, your all-play record is basically how would, and it's only two weeks, so it's not perfect, but how would I have stacked up against everybody else that week? And I'll give an example. A league we're in, I have an all-play record of 19-3. and So it's a 12-team league. I have an all-play record of 19-3, and which means only three teams across the league could have beat me in a head-to-head matchup. But I have two losses. So right there, that tells me I've been extremely unlucky with who I've played. Only three scores in the last two weeks could have beaten me. And I played two of them. So right there, that team's probably better than the two loss record that it has. Uh, and then I have other teams where I'm 2-0, and oh, but I look at the all-play record and, ooh, it's 11-11. and 11. Okay, probably played decently favorable matchups in those first two weeks. So all-play record is a very good indication to say, especially when we get like six weeks in, if you're over 500, but your all-play record is under 500, you've probably been a little lucky with your schedule. Uh, the second thing is your potential points. You can look at your p- potential points, both on Sleeper and on MFL, and it'll tell you what are your potential points versus what you've scored. Uh, and this is one of the reasons I mentioned it on the live stream the other night. This is one of the reasons I like MFL. You can look at your potential points and you can also look at your points for, and it'll give you an efficiency score. I have some teams that are 77%, 80%. That means I'm leaving a lot of points on the bench. Now, that probably speaks to a deeper issue, maybe sit-start issues, bad roster construction, where I'm putting myself in a pickle where I'm trying to decide between four players in one tier for one spot, and it's not working out. So when you notice that, you may find yourself in a situation where, okay, maybe I don't want to blow this team up, but I know I have a good team, but my efficiency is very low, which means I'm not starting the right players. Why is that? So maybe do a little bit of a deeper dive at the potential points number and figure out, okay, if it's really high relative to the number of points I've actually scored... Uh, then that's another thing that you want to probably be looking at and figure out, okay, how can I maybe trade away some of my excess and hedge my bets? Is there three running backs that I'm just, I haven't picked right thus far? Maybe I trade one away and make my decision making easier and net a second on a team that's already kind of in the middle. Uh, And then the third thing that I like to look at is you do have to look at kind of where you sit. If you want to use Dynasty Daddy, for instance, you do have to look at, and this is going to lead to my next question for you, is you have to look at where you stand within your league. So you got to know, do you have my do you have my own first round pick? 
Have you traded away your pick or not? And then where do you stand relative to the league? Is it a league where I'm one and one? I could probably argue this is a team I can take to the bottom, but I look and there's already three teams that say rebuilding on Dynasty Daddy, and they have already started their tank. And I know this is a nine or 10 team league just because there's two, three teams that have already given up. That's probably not the team that I want, especially if I've traded away my first round pick. That's not the team I probably want to try to blow it up against two or three other people that have already shaped their roster to do that. So it's like, then, okay, maybe this is a middling team, but how can I try to win on the margins for the cheapest amount possible? But maybe I can add a spot starter. Maybe I can add a couple points here and there. Even if I don't think I'm going to win the league, there's really no incentive for me not to try to win the league unless I just want to take some of my assets and move them to the future. So it's that one where I'm kind of like, those are the toughest ones for me to rectify because I don't have incentive to tank, but I also really don't have any incentive to give up any more future insulated assets for points. So it's how can I get the cheapest points kind of just to be a thorn in the side uh, to the rest of the league. So that's kind of my next question for you is uh, how do you assess not just some of those metrics, but where you stand in your league that would determine how aggressively you are to go one direction or the other? I mean, it's as simple as looking at the rosters above me, right? Looking at the rosters below me, especially if I'm in the middle, like in another league I'm in, I'm 2-0 somehow with Bryce Young and Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. And then I go look at the 0-2 teams and I go, something's not right here. I look at their quarterback room. I look at my quarterback room and I go, this can't continue. It's just, it's not feasible. I know that I don't have the, the firepower to keep, to hang with these guys. I'm living off of Kyron Williams justice hill in week one you know what i mean running backs like that that i know jerome ford in week two who no one should have been starting but you know i I was forced to because that's who i have on my roster that that's that's the way i constructed it and it's not just that you know it was roster construction that team is legitimately bad enough that jerome ford's one of the top eight players i could have started on that team so i'm going to look at my roster in comparison to theirs same thing going to look at how likely is it for for their bad luck to continue versus my good luck continuing i'm just always going to assume good luck is going to run out and that bad luck for other people will will run out at some point i'm always going to assume that we're just going to regress to what what we are water finds its level most times there are those 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 magical years where somehow you keep winning every week even though you're the third lowest scorer in the league and you're not really sure how it happens but every week it just happens but that's rare it's 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 not frequent so let's say you've identified those teams that are in the middle and you might have gone through this exercise and you look at your all play record, you look at your potential points and keep in mind, this will actually be more applicable as a couple more weeks get in the books. Mm-hmm. Once you're three, four, five weeks in, you'll be able to have a pretty good handle in terms of who the contenders are and who they're who not. You know, it's only two weeks right now, so it's hard to say that the two-week teams are 0-2, they're going to just blow it up and the 2-0 and teams are going to just go all in and buy. Like there's still some teams where I've sent even trades to and I go, hey, you've started the season 2-0. and I assume you want to buy. Now, I'm not, I don't know if my team's any good or not. And same thing with the 0-2 teams. Oh, you're 0-2. You just lost this player to injury. You want to maybe blow it up a little bit? Nah, I still have hope. I'm going to give it at least a month before I make any big moves. So let's say you've kind of determined it's one of those teams in the middle. I think a very important thing to do is even if you're looking at your all-play record, even if you're looking at your potential points, and then if you just kind of ballpark where the rest of the league sits from like an asset allocation standpoint, you have to go to a site like Dynasty Daddy and you have to look at, okay, Shane, you have a roster that is in the middle, don't have your own first, 
But then you look and you go, man, the Dynasty Daddy says I have the ninth out of 12 overall valued team, which generally means you have even lesser assets than some of yeah. the other teams that are in the middle as well. Forget about the teams that are better than you. The other teams in the middle have more assets than you. Maybe they still have their first. Maybe they have a couple extra seconds and you don't. And you have a similarly average roster. Like, what do you do in those circumstances, especially if either you've traded away your first, it's a league where it's not specifically rewarding your first for being at the bottom. So it's some sort of lottery. I'm in some leagues where it's potential points for your pick. You're top three right now in potential points, but you don't have good roster construction. You have a bunch of points on your team, but for some reason they're not fine in your lineup, Shane. They're, you're you're only 75% in terms of collecting those points because you haven't started the right guys. What do you do there when you're stuck in the middle, but you also don't have a direct path to influence your future pick in some capacity? Like, How do you take on those teams? Because it feels like a lot of people find themselves in those situations and they just are, they just kind of go through the motions. What can you be doing when you're in one of those situations where it's truly in the middle and there is not a direction you can go to benefit yourself right then? Here's the thing. There's always one direction to go, either up or down, right? And th this sounds simple enough, but you just need to choose one. You know, you know what the biggest cause of uh, car accidents is? It's not drunk driving. It's indecision. It's people going, oh, I think I'm going to get over and then they don't and then they stop and then they go and then you go and then you plow into them. At least that's what I told the cops. It wasn't my fault. And also, I have no idea if that stat is correct or not, but it felt like it should be. Indecision. You know what I mean? Just go for it. If I'm going to be wrong, I'm going to be wrong all the way. And if I'm going to be wrong, I mean, I'm going to lean towards the rebuild because it's easier for me to rebuild than it is from, from a place of where I've sold off assets to, or sold off players to gain assets as opposed to, all right, I'm going to go for it here. I, this team just needs four more starters and then we're going to be ready to rock. And I had those starters, and those starters are Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, and I, I don't know, like some other grandfather. Suddenly, they, they regress to the mean. And then what I'm left with in a spot is maybe I do make the back end of the playoffs. I don't win. And then I'm stuck with these aging assets next year, and I have no outs. I have no, I have no way to get other assets. So I'm just going to be stuck with this roster forever. Um, the one thing, one of the things you said at the beginning of this that I really liked was the whole running back thing, where if you have points on your roster and you keep picking the wrong guy, trade one of them away. You know, if you have five guys that are in the same, same tier and you can't start all five guys, you can only start three of them. Just trade two of them. I don't even care which two, just whichever will give you the most return, assuming that they're not young assets. I guess I do care. So if I had a preference, it's elderly assets always, right? We're always going to look to sell them. Look at the other uh, 2-0 teams or the teams that are 2-0 that, that seem fake to you and start moving them some of your aging assets, some of your assets that are outperforming their actual peripherals and that are going to fall back to earth. Yeah, I think that's a huge point that we can probably close the show on is even if you're not in this, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing with my team or not. Like this is something that's going to be an ongoing thing for the next month or six weeks for people in, you know, trying to race other people in your league to the buying table or to the selling table. But just your point that you made about looking at your potential points, looking at your points scored, looking at your efficiency. That's again, as I said earlier, that's one of the things I like about MFL, but even on sleeper, you can literally do a real quick calculation in your head about how many points have I scored? How many potential points do I have? 
And I would venture to say if that number is less than 80%, so essentially take your total points scored and divide it by your potential points. If that is under 80%, sure, there's some early season variance where it's only been two weeks. But once you get a sample size of four or more games, if you're still in the 70s, it generally means you have probably put yourself in a pickle with some of your weekly decisions. And it's okay to an extent, but if you're in the 70s, it means you are leaving literally 20% or more of your points on your bench. And I'm okay leaving 20% or more of my points on my bench if I have four or five usable quarterbacks, if I have a ton of backup running backs and I can't start them all. That's okay. We've kind of designed a lot of our teams around, I can live deciding between which RB3 I'm going to start because I probably got them for super dirt cheap and they're just backups on my bench. And if I just somehow have a week where four of them are starters and I can only play one or two, I can live with that. I can also trade one away. That's where I go, oh, wow, I ended up with Jerome Ford and I ended up with this running back and I ended up with... Zach Moss. And then I ended up with that running back who's now going to start like Craig Reynolds. You know, like I have all those guys. What do I do? Well, what you don't want to do is leave three of them on your bench and go, well, hey, next week, maybe they'll be available. The reality is there's guys where they're only available one time. And so if you can trade them for a third, if you can trade them for two fourths, if you can trade them for a slight up tier and a player that you think is available out there, like do it. And that's, that's the key. Where you get into trouble is you look at your team and you go, damn, Shane, I have tons of wide receiver fours and I don't know which ones to play. Well, guess what? That's never going to get better. If you're deciding who you're going to play between the Juju Smith-Schuster and Romeo Dobbs and insert whatever name, you probably have too many of them. And how do you fix it? Well, A, they're probably not assets that are worth a ton to begin with. But B, you just you liquidate one or two. You just say, see ya. Two-thirds, you can have this guy. Any second, you can have this guy. And just be confident that going forward, you're not going to miss a player that is in those ranges. So I think that's an important thing to, to note. If you have a team where you're just in a efficient. A lot of times it is probably not because you're necessarily picking the wrong players week to week. It's because you have too many decisions. You may even make some good calls, but you still left too many points on your bench when you're literally just wasting them. And knowing today's market, running backs especially, they're only worth to somebody what they can score this week. And that's it. For the inefficiency stuff, there's a reason, and I'm about to use an old school term, people liked studs and dud rosters, right? It wasn't just because it's fun to have studs and it's because setting your lineup is easy that way. It goes, well, this is who I have available. So this is who's starting. So there's nothing wrong with doing that with the lower end players too, that are causing you the same headaches that you're missing out every other week. Cause it is frustrating when you go, all right, this guy scored 15 points this week. I'm going to throw him in the lineup. Guess what? He scores zero. All right. This guy was on my bench. So I'm going to throw him in the lineup and then he scores zero and the other guy scores 15. And you're like, I, I can't do this. So yeah, just save yourself the headache of having to do that. Let's say you have a studs and duds team. And unfortunately you, you lose a couple of those studs. You know what else is easy? You just had to sit Amon Ross St. Brown and Nick Chubb. That sucks, Shane. Those were two of your eight studs, but guess what? You will now take anything in their place. They're the one that goes, oh, hey, you have somebody that I could start this week. I'll take them because guess what? You don't have anything else. So it's actually easier to replace the studs in a way because you're not trying to make six decisions for a spot. You're like, yeah, I don't have Amon Amon Ross St. Brown. My next receiver up is, yikes, that's not good. But hey, you know what? I'm just going to throw in Adam Thielen this week. I have nothing to lose. Or someone will trade me Adam Thielen for a fourth. Nothing to lose. Okay, sure. That's an underrated aspect of Dynasty is being able to say, okay, replacement value is all I need and it's available for almost nothing because there's probably 
probably two other teams in my league that are letting an Adam Thielen just rot on their bench. Oh, hey, you'll give me a third for him? Okay. At least a pragmatic manager with an active league, you should be able to actually replace the points fairly cheaply, which makes me in those leagues want to go more for, let me make all my decisions easy. Any final points from you to close it? Yeah, no, man. We've got much more season, much more runway to talk about these topics among others. So uh, I'm excited, man. It's week two. Be talking to you uh, about week three before we know and whatever else is uh, happening in the world. Best of luck to everybody this weekend and Mannequin Shield out.